I love that song. It's based on Isaiah chapter 6. It's marvelous. It takes us into the very presence of the Lord. You know, sometimes when you get up uh, and you speak in front of a lot of people and you haven't done it a lot, you get kind of nervous and uh, you have something new and all that. So I just want to say, uh, I thought Pastor Mike did a really great job hosting this morning. And I'm really pleased for him. Uh, he knows, though, that uh, I'd trade him jobs any day, and it's my privilege to be able to open God's Word with you today. And um, I would ask that you turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, to our text this morning in James, the letter that James wrote, James chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 13 to 17. James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. Stand, if you would, please, for the reading of God's Word. Beginning in verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. Let's pray as we begin. Lord, we're thankful for these moments together this morning when we can open your word and expect that you would speak to us, that your spirit would teach us and lead us into all truth. Lord, we pray that as your people, as your flock this morning, that you would open our blind eyes and deaf ears and stubborn hearts that we might hear and receive. And Lord, that we might be changed and transformed from glory to glory into the very image of Christ. That we might be a people who more fully learn what it means to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Not by our own strength and not by our own planning, but according to your will, Lord, and your strength alone. In the image of Christ, we pray in his name. Amen. Please be seated. I kind of wanted to ask you, I've been reflecting, what's the dumbest thing that you've ever done? Now, I don't know about you, but for me, the hard part of that question is choosing which one of my long list. Well, I really, I really don't want to ask you to think about that too much. It's going to distract you, and it's going to probably put you in a bad mood this morning. I want to do that. But we do make dumb decisions, don't we? And um, I thought about this, you know, should I tell you my dumbest decision that I ever made? Uh, well, I, maybe I don't want to be quite that transparent, but I'll give you a clue. You know, I'd really, really, though, talk about my good decisions, like marrying Cindy. I mean, how can it get better than that? I'm thinking, I must have been a genius. Oh, wait a minute. God's total grace, don't you think? What a blessing. And, oh, maybe deciding to attend Grace Church and uh, the wonderful blessings that that's been in my life for so many years. I thank God that he has given me a measure of wisdom and uh, he has led me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What a blessing. But okay, uh, I've made a few dumb ones. You know, I, uh, so I thought this week, uh, you know, okay, I made a really, really bad investment. Uh, and I didn't seek much counsel um, at all. Well, actually, I didn't seek any because I didn't want anybody telling me what I already decided I'm going to do. You know, Disaster. And then uh, there's decisions that I make all the time. I seem like I make over and over again that are really dumb, like, uh, 
Oh, let's go the, another half mile to that less expensive gas station. Okay, I know it's on empty, but, you know, the gas gauge in this car. You know, well, okay, that's what AAA is for, I guess. Uh, and, and then there's, uh, to get really serious, there's a really dumb thing I did. It was actually a sinful thing. It's been um, nearly 40 years ago in this church. And um, it still pains me when I think about it. Um, to be short, I, I rebuked an older man, a godly man. He's in heaven today. And I put him in his place. And, um, you know, from a strictly technical point of view, maybe he was wrong and I was right. Does it matter? Um, what I did was completely out of line. And it created a lot of grief in this church and a lot of turmoil that lasted for a long time. And a wounded relationship that uh, I would do a lot to change. And um, in First Timothy 5.1, I never even thought about it. Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father. Man, if I just read that verse and stopped and thought about that before I opened my mouth, well, maybe we all do things like that from time to time. Oh, that we would learn by God's grace and change. Not just get smarter, but to be wiser. And the book of James... It's probably the most practical book in the, in the New Testament. I mean, it's full of all kinds of wisdom for us. Like, uh, be doers of the word and not just hearers only. And faith without works is dead. And bridle our tongues and don't judge other people's motives. And James begins in chapter 1. Turn over there if you would, please. With, with, a, with a counterintuitive uh, exhortation. I mean, it doesn't really. It says... Um, It says in uh, verse 2, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. And now he gets down to the very heart of what he wants to communicate. The theme of of this book. Let it have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's God's desire for us, that we may be perfect. That means mature as believers, complete in him, lacking enough. And how do we get there? Well, James gets right down to the heart of this pretty quickly. He says, uh, look, when you have trials in your life, uh, when things come that are undeserved and unexpected, like that reckless driver plowing into your car, Or sometimes uh, trials that uh, come, maybe most of them, that are of our own making, like those rash, impulsive decisions and thoughtless and unwise remarks that we make that come back to bite us. Thank God, not all the time, but they do. So James gets to the root of the problem. In verse 5, he says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. The only condition that God gives us for asking, in asking for wisdom is that we ask in faith without doubting. If we believe that God will give us wisdom, God's word tells us he'll give us wisdom. And now we're in chapter 4 and verses 13 to 17. James gets very specific. In short, he tells us don't make thoughtless and presumptuous decisions. Make decisions in light of eternity humbly aligned with God's will, and don't fail to do good things that he is leading you to do. 
So although the word wisdom isn't specifically mentioned in these verses, uh, it's really at the heart of the passage. Essential elements of wisdom are embedded here, as we're going to see throughout these few short verses. And you probably heard a lot of definitions of wisdom. And I just want to give you one this morning that uh, you can remember easily. Even I can remember. Wisdom is making God-pleasing decisions. It's wisdom. Making God-pleasing decisions in all that we do. Proverbs 16.7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies are at peace with him. How do you like that? Make decisions pleasing to the Lord, but our enemies will be at peace with us. Well, most of us aren't wired to stop and reflect on decisions. I am not. Can you tell? I mean, really, if you know me? I'd just rather, you know, ready, fire, aim. I'd rather shoot from the lip. Uh, I do that too much, and I have suffered the consequences. And we all, at times, tend to act without much thought most of the time. It's not that we're dumb or lazy or intentionally irresponsible, but sometimes we're all of those, right? But usually we just jump into action based upon our patterns of behavior, upon our habits that we developed over time, and a lot of those decisions don't lead to good, God-pleasing results. We know that. Proverbs 29.20 is especially blunt. doesn't sugarcoat this at all. Proverbs 29.20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Thank God for the Lord's promise of wisdom. Wise decisions don't happen by chance. They're built on patterns of behavior and disciplines based on God's word. When I was, uh, with, the, I was with our junior high uh, uh, group um, a few weeks ago at junior high retreat, what an experience. I'm still recovering. <laughs> okay, the first thing I ask him is, I bet you've never had anybody as old as I am at, a, at your retreat before. I'm like, yep. How old do you think I am? Now, there was a kid out there that wasn't very smart. No, he was smart, but he wasn't wise. (laughs) Raises his hand. This is no kidding. And he says, 85? (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe I'll live that long. (laughs) We'll see. Anyway, we had such a great time. What a wonderful group of kids we have in this church. And good job, parents. And... um, uh, we, we, over the course of the weekend, we identified a, a list of personal disciplines that uh, maybe those kids would like to start developing now that would shape their, their lives, that affect their li- lives for years to come. Like reading God's Word every day. Like uh, being more diligent in my studies. Like maybe getting up a half hour earlier. Uh, we, we read from Proverbs 6. Uh, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Oh, okay. They got that. So many of those young people made decisions that weekend to, uh, to build Bible-based decisions that will shape the course of their lives. I thank God for that. What a great experience. So we're constantly making decisions, and most of them are morally neutral, if you think about that for a minute. Uh, God doesn't tell us you know, God told Adam and Eve from any fruit of the garden you can choose. Pick your choice, what you'd like to have for dinner. Just don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we can choose. We can um, 
decide what we want to have for dinner or what we want to wear that uh, on a given day? Should we have spaghetti or chicken or top ramen or mac and cheese or broccoli or fruit? Do I stay home and try to eat healthy or do I uh, go for in and out? Well, many of those simple, seemingly innocuous decisions, they, they have consequences. Some short-term, like indigestion, and some that uh, impact us for a lifetime. Um, like a pattern of unhealthy choices or thoughtless remarks or impulsive purchases. Boy, we've all been there, haven't we? And we we sometimes say, what was I thinking? Have you ever said that? But the fact is that a lot of the time we weren't thinking at all. We just did it. And some choices are obviously of major consequence, or at least they should be obvious, like where we live and what job to take if we have a choice, or what school to attend, or who to marry, Or where do I go to church? One thing's for sure, we never learn to make wise, big decisions until we practice making wise what? Small decisions, right? Jesus said, he he was faithful in the very little thing will be faithful also in, in much. And he was talking about temporal and earthly riches versus eternal and heavenly riches. Let's learn to do the small decisions. Let's develop that discipline in our lives. James gets to the heart of the decision-making in these verses we're looking at. The first thing he tells us is that true wisdom doesn't presume upon the future. Verse 13, What Come now, you who say today or tomorrow will go to such and such a town and we'll spend a year there and we'll trade and we'll make a profit. Got a great business plan, know what we're doing, done our homework, we're going to go and we're going to make big bucks. We're going to be successful. Well, you know what? What's interesting, the... This might be surprising, but the first thing, at least to me, that struck me as I looked at this passage, there's one, I've been there before. But the second thing I noticed was that um, it assumes that we have choices. And we certainly do in this country, you should think about it. We have choices about almost everything. Uh, again, just walk in the grocery store and count the kinds of breakfast cereal. Really? Or for that matter, toothpaste. Most of the world throughout history and much of the world even today would love to know that they're going to have breakfast tomorrow. And brushing their teeth would probably be the last thing on their minds, let alone choosing what kind of toothpaste. I remember when uh, our daughter Rebecca came home from the mission field. Uh, Many of you know she lived in Montepat, Dominican Republic, and it was the poorest, our second poorest town in the country. And uh, she... uh, she came home to visit, and Cindy and her went down to the store. And um, Cindy was shopping, and she asked, Rebecca, would you go over and just pick us up some cheese? And so Cindy did all the shopping, filled her card up, looked around. No, Rebecca, what happened to Rebecca? She went over to the cheese case that went on for 10 yards, right? And, and there was Rebecca standing there kind of frozen. And Cindy said, what's the matter? And she Rebecca said, why can't there be just one kind of cheese? You know, it was a poignant moment. We thought, we've talked about that a lot. You know, God has given us so much abundance that we don't even know what to do with it. God gives us choices. May we make wise choices in the midst of our abundance. Psalm 19 and verse 13, uh, David prays, Psalm 19, 13. He says, Lord, uh, keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent 
of great transgression. Lord, help, help me not to make stupid, presumptuous decisions that put you in a box and demand that you, and expect that you perform for me. Help me not to do that. Don't let me be dominated by those things. And there's sort of a suggestion here is that I want to do that in every element of my life because he, he wants to be innocent of great transgression. You know, we want to be careful about those decisions especially that could lead to serious consequences for me, for my family, for my church, for your business. You know, take the guy who wanted to build a bigger barn. Remember that guy? In Luke 12, he thought that storing up more food and a bigger bank account would somehow assure him of his future. And uh, the Lord, uh, Lord Jesus, uh, spoke it in a parable. And uh, the guy has, was really successful, and he thought to himself, beginning in verse 17, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. This is Luke 12. In verse 19, he says, And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for, your, for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. True wisdom doesn't presume upon the future. It doesn't presume that we're going to be here tomorrow. It doesn't presume that we are in control. It doesn't presume that our really well-laid plans are going to come to pass by our efforts alone. And true wisdom has eternity in mind. The second point. True wisdom has eternity in mind. Verse 14. James goes on, he says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Just like that guy who was laying up treasure for himself. James 1 reminds the rich man that like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. James 1, going back there, if you want to turn there. Verse 11, it says, For the sun rises with its scorching heat. This is James 1.11. And withers the grass... Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Again, the same warning. Let's be careful not to depend upon that which we plan on our own and think that somehow that our success assures our future. In Psalm 39, David prays. Psalm 39 and verse 4, he says, O Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few hand breaths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Selah, think about that. Verse 6, surely a man goes about as a shadow. Well, that's not... These are not verses to depress us. These are verses to remind us that our days are fleeting and we need to make them count for the Lord. We, we need to be careful that we have in mind not just today that somehow we're going to make those count, but that everything that we do in our short days matters for eternity, to have that eternal perspective. We should be asking, am I making my life count for God? Will my decision please God? Will it produce true riches? Not just for today, but those that matter for eternity. 
and will bring glory to God. It's the heart of wisdom. I recall uh, graduating from college, a close friend and I decided that we would go into business and we would sell stereos and we would make a lot of money. That was the plan. And so we were newlyweds and we got involved in, uh, with some guys that uh, were going to tell us how to get rich and it later turned out to be a sort of pyramid scheme and we were really dumb. But by God's grace, uh, I had the sense to call my dad. It didn't feel quite right. And he went on, I told him a little bit, and he went on to finish my sentences for me <laughs> and tell me exactly what was going on. He'd been there and done that. And um, I thank God for that. I felt like really foolish. <laughs> and I got out of there in a hurry. And uh, I told my friend, I'm going to go get an 8 to 5 job. And, um, but my friend continued to pursue riches his whole life with disastrous, disastrous results. Destroyed his marriage, destroyed his life. I reflect upon that a lot. By God's grace, he led me in another path. Psalm 90 says, uh, the years of our life are like 70, or are 70. Psalm 90, 10, or even by reason, by strength, 80. Okay, maybe 90 today, maybe. And yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. So verse 12, Psalm 90, verse 12 is... One of my life verses impacted me hugely. It says, so teach us to number our days that we might get a heart of wisdom. I like the King James, what I learned it many years ago, that we might present to you a heart of wisdom. Lord, help me to count every day and make them count for you. In short, help me, Lord, not to waste my life by doing dumb things. And you know what? You ever wonder what those wise decisions that God allows us to make and imparts to us by his spirit. You know what those good deeds that God calls us to do, you know, they really matter. You know what it means for things to matter for all of eternity? What does that really, really mean in heaven? Well, actually, we get a glimpse of that in in Revelation chapter 19. You remember, you want to turn there, this is a great verse. Um, I'm going to read to you. Uh, They're all great verses. Um, You remember in, in, in Revelation 19, and it's the, it's the scene of the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the groom is the Lord Jesus Christ, and the bride is the church. And it says in verse 7, Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and, the, and his bride has made herself ready. Verse 8, And it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is what? the righteous deeds of the saints. The bride of Christ. That great glorious day when we're united for all of eternity with the Lord Jesus. That great day we will be clothed in the righteous deeds of the saints. Made in his strength for his glory in wisdom pleasing to him. Isn't that amazing? Wise decisions matter for all of eternity not just make things turn out pretty good today. Amen? It's a cool thing. Think about it a lot. True wisdom has eternity in mind. And thirdly, true wisdom conforms to God's will. Look at verse 15. He says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. If the Lord wills. One of the great hallmarks of the committed believer is a burning desire to honor the Lord in all things. Everything that we do, I want to honor God. 
to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. In short, to do his will. In fact, Jesus says the true follower of, of him will do his will. In Matthew seven twenty one, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. God's people do his will. King David prayed in Psalm chapter 40 now, Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is written in my heart. It kind of reminds you of Psalm 118.11, right? Thy word I've hid in my heart that I might not, what? That I might not sin against you. Psalm 143.10, there's so much here. Teach me to do your will, Psalm 143.10. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Lord, may your spirit lead me and guide me in making wise decisions that bring glory to you and reverberate through all of eternity. Bring you glory. And of course, the Lord Jesus is the perfect example of doing God's will. He said in John 5, I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Doing God's will should be our deepest desire. So how do we do it? Well, one, I'm just going to do this briefly for you. But one is we are to obey his commands. We're to obey his revelation. The Ten Commandments come to mind. We know God's will explicitly. We don't have to guess. Don't have any other gods before us. Don't worship any, anyone or anything besides the one true God. Don't use God's name irreverently. Remember the Sabbath and honor your father and mother. And don't murder and don't commit adultery and... Don't steal or bear false witness or covet someone else's possessions. We know those things, don't we? We know to live by them. And living by God's commands is wise living and is pleasing to the Lord. And there's a lot more in God's word. We know that. Very explicit. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Therefore, do not be foolish. There's that foolish word again. It keeps coming up, doesn't it? Wisdom, foolish. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalm, in hymns, in spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the will of God. That's how we should then live. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 to 8. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 to 8. For this is the will of, your, of God, your sanctification. Your holiness is what that means. Your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles, who do not know God, for God has not called us to, for impurity, but in holiness. That's the will of God. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. I believe that God will both implant the desire and give us the strength to fulfill that which he has commanded us to do, and that is wisdom. We are to obey his word. We're to seek godly counsel. Pastor Mike mentioned this last week. He had it alliterated, I don't. But we know that we're to seek godly counsel. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. 
Why don't we ask for counsel more often? Why haven't I? Well, pride, impetuousness, arrogance. I thank God that people in this church regularly ask ask for godly counsel and advice on the practical matters of their life. Uh, This week, I had uh, one phone call and one email asking for counsel on weighty issues. And I thought, thank God, these people are asking for counsel. They're just not going and doing. That is godly and that's God-pleasing. By the way, I don't, give invest, I don't give investment advice. Don't call. Yeah, we're to ask for godly counsel. Uh, we're to obey his word and we're to earnestly pray for wisdom. You know, we're to ask God to give us wisdom for everything. Not just the big things, for everything. That's at least in part what it means to pray without ceasing. Pray in the moment. Now, let's go back to the grocery store. We don't need to stand in the aisle and ask God to lead us to the right head of lettuce, do we? Although, from what I can tell, there is sort of a ritual that people go through. I've observed this in the store. It involves shaking and turning and sniffing all manner of fruits and vegetables. I don't know what that's about, but I see people doing that all the time. Hopefully not too many Christians. You guys wouldn't do that, would you? The ritual thing. Actually, uh, when my sister Jenny was first married, um, she and her husband were very, very poor. And she wanted to honor the Lord with the little bit of money that they had. And Cindy reminded me that she would go to the store and she would pick up a piece of fruit, an apple or a pear, just one, and she would hold it up in the grocery store. This is little Jenny. She's five foot tall. And uh, she would pray to the Lord, Lord, give me wisdom to choose the right piece of fruit to spend our money wisely. I thought, yeah, really? (laughs) Really? (laughs) You're going to pray over a piece of fruit? Well, maybe that's overkill. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe we should be mindful to pray about everything. Ask God for wisdom on the small things. Yeah. So we should ask God as a pattern of life. I'm still working on this, by the way. How, how do I respond to that unkind word? Or, uh, should I intervene in that, in that dispute? Should I sleep in tomorrow and... Or should I help my, my neighbor move? What are decisions I need to pray about? Paul told the Philippians, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In everything. Pray for everything. A pattern of prayer in our lives. And, and, and by the way, uh, one thing that I have determined that I'm going to start doing more is uh, read the book of Proverbs. There's some really amazing things there. Read it more often. How about Proverbs 3? Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. This is starting in verse 13. And the one who gets understanding. For the the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. This is wisdom. Verse 16. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her, Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Wow. I'd like more of that. I'd like my life to be like that. 
Well, one more thought about about this. Uh, we don't. We don't. We don't know, and we don't need to know all that God has in mind for us. Amen. We don't need to know that. He'll accomplish His will. He'll accomplish His purposes. And um, in Proverbs sixteen nine, it says, "The heart of man plans his ways, but it's the Lord establishes his steps." We can plan. Turn it over to the Lord. Let Him accomplish His purpose. He says in, the, in Isaiah forty six, "I have spoken. I'll bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will do it." We don't need to worry about it. God will accomplish His will and His purpose. Maybe that's why Jesus taught His disciples and taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth, even as it's in heaven. So true wisdom doesn't presume on the future. It has eternity in mind and all that we do. It conforms to God's will. And fourthly, True wisdom is humble wisdom. As it is, verse 16, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Proverbs 27.1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. In short, true wisdom humbly recognizes that intellect and knowledge and planning alone can never never be sufficient. Yeah, we need to do those things. But we need to be careful that we humbly come before the Lord with our plans and not boast in our arrogance. James chapter 4, the chapter that we're in right now, go back to verse 6. What's it say? He gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to whom? The humble. In verse 10, what's it say? Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. We'll bring our plans to pass. You know what arrogance means? You know, we're told not to be arrogant, to not boast in our arrogance. You know, arrogance comes from, uh, um, from in the English, it comes from a verb, to arrogate. We don't use the word to arrogate very often. It means to claim presumptuously. It means to take for oneself that which doesn't rightly belong to you, to take for yourself without the right. So when we are arrogant, we're taking that which belongs to God and making it our own somehow. At least we think we are. Our plans belong to the Lord, not to us. Humble wisdom confounds conventional wisdom because it comes from God alone. And the Lord makes that very clear Right here in James, there are two kinds of wisdom. God's wisdom and the world's wisdom. Go back to James chapter 3. It's back a chapter. Look at verse 13. James uh, chapter 3 and uh, verse 13. What's it say? It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. The meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where there is jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. There's two kinds of wisdom. God's wisdom 
and there's the world's wisdom. And we need to be careful and be a people that choose God's wisdom in all that we do. In 1 Corinthians 1, the reminder, for the word of God, I'm just going to do this rather briefly this morning, but I encourage you to turn, this and read, turn and read this later on, even today. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. The passage goes on, it's beautiful, but look in verse 24. It says, But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And then if you go down, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Not boast in our arrogance. Boast in the Lord who alone grants us wisdom because the Lord Jesus, our Savior, is the embodiment of perfect wisdom. True wisdom doesn't presume upon the future. True wisdom has eternity in mind in all that we do. True wisdom conforms to God's will. And true wisdom is humble wisdom. And finally, true wisdom seeks and embraces God-pleasing opportunity. Seeks, it sees and embraces God-pleasing opportunities. Verse 17, For whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it's sin. It's a pretty sobering verse. It wasn't just tacked on here. First four verses that we looked at are talk all about sins of commission, being arrogant, prideful, boastful, presumptuous. Now he's talking about things that we know that we should do and we don't do, sins of omission. Sometimes the Holy Spirit prompts us to do things and we don't do them. Sometimes we know to do good. It's obvious. We, need to, we know to ask forgiveness. We know to be thankful. We know that we are to love our wives. We know, to, we know that we are to encourage and exhort one another. And we don't do it. Why not? Because we've never developed a pattern of doing that in our lives. It doesn't come easily. Sometimes we're just afraid to do things because we're not sure how it'll turn out or how people will react. Or maybe we'll look bad. Sometimes uh, we're just plain stubborn. We know what God wants us to do and actually we just don't want to do it. We get a hard heart. I would encourage you this morning to decide now to ask God for wisdom, to ask God more often as a pattern of life on the small things, not just the big things, to ask God for his wisdom. And if you lack wisdom, guess what? He'll grant it to you. He won't make you feel foolish for asking. And the only condition is uh, uh, ask in faith, not doubting. And God will bless you for it. God will grant you wisdom. He'll help you to make wise, humble choices as a life pattern that's pleasing to him. And when we get to heaven, <laughs> we're going to be clothed with the good deeds of the saints as a glory and a blessing to our Lord for all of eternity. Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you for this time. We pray that you would bless these words from your word. Lord, that not just that we would learn, but that our lives would be changed. 
and we bring glory to you for all of eternity, we ask in his name. Amen.